Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And it's welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Uh, I'm very excited to have someone with me today who I want to emulate when I grow up. This guy is amazing. First of all, I'd like to welcome Paul Brody from Texas. Hello, Paul. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. We're going to love this accent, everybody. Um, But the reason I'm so excited to have Paul today is he is a speaker, educator, and author. Now, I've got those things written on my bio, and I thought they look pretty fancy. But you look at this guy, he's actually put a star next to his name, and I thought I'm going to have to have a star now. Uh, Paul, tell us about your business um, with the EDU on it. Uh, Absolutely. Well, Brody EDU is um, the main parent company that I established a few years back. Uh, We started doing literacy programs in in basically low-cost housing, in particular in the state of Kentucky, where we created after-school programs for kids and, more importantly, adult GED programs um, to basically help those people that are in government housing um, basically get out of that situation. And we were very fortunate where in the first couple months of the program, we actually had a first graduate. So it was great to kind of build that program, do that in the private sector, and we did that for about a year or two. And then from that point, um, I left that to go into publishing. And with becoming an author, I began that journey in June 2015, where I was actually on a trip to Las Vegas. And I'm thinking, why do I keep putting off this book that I want to write? Why do I keep doing that? So in Vegas, I actually, I was actually at the Mirage Casino. I was in the pool area. And I just started typing all my notes in my phone, this one right here the good old iPhone, and basically came up with the, with the first book, which was Eat Less and Move More, where I outlined the book in Vegas, got back the week later, and within three days, I had 22,000 words and published my first book. Yeah, no, and, yeah sorry, keep going. No, no, I was just saying, and, that, and that's basically how it started. And then the week after that, we created the second book, which was off my, one of my motivational seminars called Motivation 101. And um, as of today, I've launched book number seven, Already has become a bestseller, so lucky seven, seven for seven on the bestsellers. And uh, it's actually, um, right now, it's approaching the top 100 um, for free downloads and all Amazon Kindle. We're actually on approach right now to go through that number. And that's the Motivation 101 book? No, this is actually Just Do It. This is book number seven, so lucky seven. Bargain. Well, we're going to talk about Just Do It, everybody, because that's on my list of of questions for Paul. And being writers, that's the one we want to know about. Um, congratulations on your success today. I knew it was coming up to launch. Thank you. Yeah. This guy is amazing. And did you hear it? You heard it here first. He only started this in um, 2015. Now, we're only in 2016. He's got seven books out. 
what are our excuses, everybody? We're just ashamed. But I just wanted to sneak in there. The Mirage Casino in Las Vegas. Now, I have a lot of Australian guests on and I take great pride in that I know my country very well and I've been to a lot of those places. Everybody, I just want to share with you that I've actually been to the Mirage Casino in Las Vegas with my mum. And I thought, God, that's going back a few years. So that's all very, very exciting. Um, I certainly didn't write my first book in the pool with my iPhone back then because I don't think we had iPhones <laughs> back then. <laughs> okay, Paul, I want to take you through a couple of things that I think are particularly important to us as writers and something that you've probably um, worked out for yourself in the last 18 months and hence your books. Positive mental attitude. Uh, tell us all about it. It's a mindset and it's really, it's about choice because one of the things that I'll mention every book and every seminar that I do is we have the ability to be our greatest champion or our worst enemy by how we look at our lives every day. And one of the biggest things is your greatest opponent is not someone else. Your greatest opponent's right here. Your greatest opponent is yourself and that at the end of the day is what matters and you make that choice. You are at the end of the day the master of your own universe. So it is your perception that matters, no one else's. And I want to be real clear about that because it is, it's all up to you to put yourself in that positive mind, mind frame, which affirmations in the mornings, music that motivates you, getting up, dancing around, you know, dancing a little Taylor Swift in your car when you have to, which I will freely admit I have done. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you have to get yourself in that right mindset. And if you're struggling to do that in the morning, take the first step. First thing you can do, do some affirmations. Talk about how great your day is, how great your life is, and gratitude. Really showing what you're grateful for every single day. For me, I'm grateful for my health because five years ago, I was 336 pounds. I had type 2 diabetes. I was borderline type 2 diabetes, high blood sugar. Doctor said, if I don't basically clean up my life, I'm dead in five years. It's a very blunt assessment. And that's how Eat Less and Move More, my first book, came into play. Because over those next few months, I dropped 60 pounds and kept most of it off. And that's one of the biggest things is get into that right mindset. Yeah, and that's very interesting because I think Paul, a big part of Paul's business is uh, motivational seminars, I'm guessing, and he speaks to a lot of business people. Um, Paul's nodding his head here, so I did get a little bit of the research right. Um, but one of the things that I did pick up on was, A, that he gets all these grown men in suits up jumping around and <laughs> dancing, which just appealed to my fancy. But the other thing is that... Uh, the physical and mental um, attitude uh, come hand in hand. Like if you, if you can get your attitude right, then you actually benefit physically. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting connection. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest things is it's training your mind. And it's not easy, especially for those who do struggle with negativity. The first thing you have, I think with negativity is you, re you, you really focus on what do I not have instead of focusing on what do I have? What, what should I be grateful for? Well, the first thing is, do you wake up this morning? Okay, you got another day. That's a good thing. Do you have family that love and care about you? That's another good thing. Do you have friends that love you? Another one. Do you have a car that runs? And that's a, it's a basic question, but that's a good thing. Do you have a job? Great. Do you like your job? Well, not necessarily. Well, what are you going to do about that? Because that's one thing we talk about and Just Do It was – I was in a situation last year where I didn't like my teaching position that I was at. So what did I do? I chose to leave that position, and I was going to quit teaching altogether, focus on Brody EDU full-time, but then the right opportunity, the perfect opportunity, suddenly came up, where now I teach in Fort Worth and have the Ideal Program, wonderful administration, great resources, where I'm like, hey, I can do this for you know another year or two. Let's end teaching at a strong note, and then let's focus 
on the career from that point. So it's just one of those things where you create your own environment at the end of the day. What are you going to do? Are you going to be your greatest champion or are you going to be your worst enemy? What's it going to be? Yeah. Now, Paul has laid out the ultimate challenge, everybody, and it's something we writers face. At some point, we have to jump off and go from working for a living uh, at a job and then taking on our writing businesses full time. And it's really, really interesting as, as Paul talks about that because I'm in that position right at this very moment where I'm finishing my job at the end of next week and I won't have any money afterwards. So by the time this goes to air, everybody, I'll probably be homeless and jobless um, back in my caravan with my children. But that's that's all very exciting as well. If that's the worst thing that happens to us, then we're not doing too badly. Um, but, Paul, the other thing that came along with that decision is that negativity. So I'm assuming that that's fairly common for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I really do think it is because think about you have 10 great things happen in a day and then you have one thing that goes south. What are you going to really focus on? Are you going to focus on those great things or are you going to focus on that one little slice of negativity? And I think that's one of the big questions you have to ask yourself because I think – you know, we as humans are basically trained to focus on that negative part of it. And I really think you've got to develop that and really focus on the great things and gratitude. I mean, you can hear, you know, the great Oprah, you know, she talks about gratitude. Uh, Deepak Chopra, he talks about gratitude. Anthony Robbins, he talks about gratitude. So some pretty famous names out there where they're given a lot of really good sage advice. And I think that's one of the greatest things we can focus on is what we have versus what we don't have. Because those things we might not necessarily have, we can fix. Where maybe we don't have the ideal situation, but we can fix that. Yeah, and I think uh, as writers, uh, we tend to put our work out there and that can be very scary. But the reason we do it, I'm guessing, is that we think we can make a difference. Yeah, and that's one of the main things. And, you know, it's funny you mention that because I, I have an author friend. She's just a great person. Um, but w- one thing she worries about is not having the perfect book out. Well, I can tell you right now, I published seven books. None of them are perfect. But the point is you get it out there, you feel good about it, and then you just do it. You get out there, and then you make those – you put it out there to the universe and see what happens. And, yes, are you going to get negative reviews? Exactly. And bring it back to that point where I talked about earlier. Let's say you have 10 positive reviews, but then you have one negative review. What are you going to focus on? That's the biggest question. At this point, if I get a negative review, I laugh about it because most of the time, first of all, those reviews are a little bit screwed up as far as I'm concerned because I think a lot of time maybe someone's had a bad day. I was like, oh, your book's crap. Well, what's crappy about it? Oh, I don't know. It's just crap. So it's one of those things where you're like, oh, okay, well, whatever. That, that's your opinion. You're entitled to it. But, you know, you bought my book, so thank you. But you focus on the 10 other reviews that, you know, this is the greatest book I've ever read or this has really helped me. And that's the best thing. When I see reviews where it's like, wow, you really helped me out. Or if I get an email going, hey, this is, you know, th- this is life changing. That's the best things you can do because you are going to help someone. And one thing I always talk about is the power of one, where you make difference in one person's life then you've done your job. And that's one thing that I've really focused on. I talk about that in multiple books where let's have that power of one and let's help at least one person. I mean, obviously we'll help more than that, but if we just have that mentality to help one person, then we can build from there. Yeah, and I think that's a teacher thing too, Paul. We walk into a classroom and we think, okay, we can't, teach across the spectrum and engage 30 kids at once. It's just not going to happen. But hopefully one kid will walk out of that classroom being inspired. Uh, Do you think your your teaching background and your teaching at the moment, is that allowing you to pour all this stuff into your books um, to engage a wider audience like your corporate world? 
Everything connects. Everything that we do connects, whether that's teaching, whether that's giving seminars, whether it's talking to friends and family, everything that we do connects. And I, in the books, I've shared stories from teaching. I've shared t- stories from the corporate world because in 2007, I was working in nurse recruiting. And during that time, yes, I was making a lot of money, but I was miserable doing it. And I ended up leaving the job. I was in a situation, fortunate, where I had enough money that I could take some time. And I spent the next two months, ironically enough, writing lists and figuring out what I wanted to do. And everything that I wanted to do went into substitute assignment, Valentine's Day, 2008. So tell me what can go wrong. Valentine's Day, 2008, at a junior high, teaching choir with chocolate, candy, and hormones. What could go wrong, right? And I realized within 15 minutes, I would either fall in love with this or I was completely crackers. And I absolutely loved it. Fell in love with teaching and I've done it ever since. And it's just one of those moments where you, where you realize, you know, I made the right decision. And I think everyone comes to that crossroads, that fork in the road, so to speak, where, you know, you're going to go in one direction or the other. Yeah, and it often takes, I guess, a crisis of some dis- uh, description to put you in that position because otherwise you just cruise along. Was your health crisis mm-hmm. the thing that kicked you on? It was the ultimate wake-up call and because I didn't want to be dead in a few years. And I knew that the way that my life was going with my health, I wasn't taking care of myself. I knew that I needed to make changes. Yeah. And not only that, I needed to keep those changes going the rest of my life. Yeah, and there's a, there's a trick in that as well, isn't there, is to keep those things moving along. Uh, I'm wondering whether people get bogged down in the everyday and the minute you and they don't see what's happening and it's only when you put your head up for whatever reason uh, that these things happen. Now, I notice you've got a lot of courses on there. I'm assuming mm-hmm. they're popular and getting more popular by the day as people search for answers. Everything's growing. Yeah, yeah. So how do you cope with that? Where do, where do you see yourself going? Um, one of my main things that I focus on is the coaching and consulting. And one of the things that I'm working on a lot now is helping other authors write their own books. And basically when they're writing their first or second books, I can help them because I've been there. I know the struggles, know the problems, know the challenges, and basically helping them get to that point where they can climb that mountain where they can publish their own book. And they can publish in at least two or three different formats to maximize their revenue. They go, oh, no, my book flopped. I'm done writing. Well, no, you're not. You had a book that struggled. Let's fix it. Now let's focus on the second book. And it's one of those things where if you're really passionate about something, if you believe in it, you know, the basic simple um, rule with sales, if you believe in the product, you can sell it. And it's the same thing with your books. If you believe in those books, you know they're going to help other people, you can sell it. And it's just teaching my clients how to help with that. Yeah. And do you get mainly nonfiction or are you getting some fiction authors as well? Mainly nonfiction, but I have had the uh, fiction author as well. So I've had a little bit of both, but my main audience is nonfiction. Yeah. Why do you think there's been such a growth in nonfiction books? Like they're coming out all over the place. Um, every time I turn around, someone's mm-hmm. putting out a new nonfiction book. Um, first of all, yeah, that's the first question. Why do you think there's such a growth in that? Because it's so easy to do. 10 or 15 years ago, you had to have a publisher, you had to have distribution. Now you can publish yourself. And there's so many different people out there that are offering coaching or courses or different things where you can go in and learn how to do it. Because essentially, if you have Microsoft Word and you have a computer, you have Microsoft Word, you can create a book. And it's just learning how to do it. 
So it's very easy these days to create your own book. And depending on how much you want to spend on that, it can either be something that might only cost a few hundred dollars to get set up, or it could cost up to ten dollars to $15,000, depending on which direction you want to go in. With me, I'm a little bit on the more frugal side, so I like to launch books as efficiently and as inexpensively as possible. Yeah, and I think you had some tips up there on on how to do that as well. The other thing um, that interests me, Paul, I guess with that, just around that one little topic before we move on, everybody has a story to tell, um, and it's encouraging Mm -hmm. those stories out of people, isn't it, which is what we do here at Writer on the Road. Um, Do you find that people come to you with an idea and then you've got to help them flesh it out um, with planning and stuff? Yes, especially outlines. And that's one of the biggest things. And one of the biggest issues that I've seen with my clients is sometimes they'll have a thirty or 40,000 word book. And I immediately tell them with the way our society is right now, with the shorter attention spans, with the more of the, you know, there's so many different things going on. One thing I tell them, if you have a 40,000 word book, let's turn it into two or three books and do separate launches for each of those. Let's create a series. Because you just have one 40,000 word book out there that's going to be a big challenge. The other part of it is your focus, your book title and your book cover to the biggest things, but also outlining your book properly because that can be a big thing too. You need to know where your beginning is, where your middle is, and where your end is. And if you don't have that properly done, you're going to have a real struggle with getting what you want accomplished. Yeah, and there we are, guys. Back to that um, basic storytelling thing is beginning, middle, and ending and something happening in between, hopefully. Uh, you talk about shorter books. You're talking about if you've got three books in forty or 50,000 words or less, uh, are you saying there's a market for those very short things? There is in nonfiction and in particular in self-help. Um, typically, the City Ideal book is between 15,000 and 25,000. Those are typically the range for my books with nonfiction, with self help, even with book publishing, health, wellness, and even travel. Because that's a really ideal where you can get it. It's a quick read. You could read it on the flight. Because, as you know, especially the way flights are these days, two to three hour flights, you want something to do to help with that time, especially when you're crammed in like cattle. So it's really getting in there and having something that you can read very quickly. And with audiobooks, the audiobooks that I have are typically an hour and a half, where you can knock out a full book in 90 minutes. That's not too bad. Yeah. And with nonfiction, you're able to do that. And I think more with storytelling, you can do that, but probably more in a box series or a volume type of series with that. But there's still opportunities to do that too. Yeah, so there's marketing. that The marketing is really crossing over with the writing nowadays and more and more so as people become more savvy and people like you um, teach other people to to look and, and see that there are different ways of doing things. And you talked about three um, products. I'm presuming you're talking print, ebook, and audio. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, we, we're probably well along this track, I think, in some respects, um, but I'm guessing most of us are fiction writers. And I always thought that a fiction writer, oh, gee, we better put out a nonfiction book. But I'm finding more and more nonfiction writers are going, oh, okay, now we're going to do the hard thing. We're going to write fiction. Is there a perception out there that fiction is harder to write than nonfiction? I think so. But what I also think is the market's so much better, too. With fiction, it could be five times as strong as nonfiction. So if you've got the next Hunger Games, you're going to have the next Divergent series, 
then you can really do well with that. So there's definitely opportunities out there. I mean, honestly, I've thought about it too, potentially doing a fiction book down the line, maybe of a fictional teacher that's going through the struggles of a school. <laughs> you, know? you, never, you never know where you could kind of make that uh, little non-fiction and fiction, if you know what I mean. But there are ways to do that where you can create your own series. But there's definitely opportunities out there. But, I mean, as a non-fiction writer, I would love to do a fiction book. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I notice a lot of our entrepreneurs, and I'm talking about, I guess, mostly out of America, these guys who have made it really, really big in, you know, multi-million dollars, these young entrepreneurs, these young guys that have come through, and we could name a dozen of them. Uh, and now they've done they've done that. They've made their millions. They've put out all their non-fiction books and all their um, membership groups and everything else that they've done, and now they're getting serious. Now they're going to write fiction. And it's actually shocked me a little bit to think that, they saw what they've done is the easy part. Now they're going to come and join us fiction writers over here and see what it's like to be poor. Yeah, um, much respect for them willing to do that. Um, I, you know, Like I said, I would like to do it, but I don't think it would be one of those things where I would put a big stake into it, if you know what I mean. I would do it for the experience, for the knowledge to learn, and then whatever happened from that point would be great. But you, know, you definitely wouldn't put all your eggs into one basket, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and that's something that um, we learn as indie authors not to, to do that, to have those different things happening, including coaching, I guess, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But I just want to, if I came to you and I'm a new writer and you're, you're coaching me, I guess, uh, what are some of the things that you would, you would have me focus on to get my book out? First thing is your book cover. It's got to be eye-catching. It's something you know you really need to have the attention. They they say, what is that line about? Uh, the book is judged by the book cover, correct? And it's a big part of it because that's what gets the attention, especially if you're marketing. You've got some big email coming out through, let's say, someone like Butt Books or um, you know, any of those other companies. You look at it and you scroll down, you know, twenty different books. You know, you've got to have something that's going to get their attention. And you've really got to get a hook with that and then with your title. So that would be the first things. Um, with the title, you want it to take up at least half the cover. And then the image probably below that because you really want to get the attention of the reader. Like with mine right now with Just Do It, you literally have Just Do It, half of the cover. Then you have a guy climbing the mountains like Rocky Rocky Four doing this. So you really want to have something that's going to be eye-catching that's going to get their attention. Because if you don't have a good book cover, the odds of your book being very successful – diminish greatly. The next thing would be, what are you going to do to build your list? What are you going to offer to your readers? And one thing that I always suggest is offer the first chapter of your next book. Offer that to your readers so to keep that going. So after the conclusion, here's the first chapter for the next book in my series. And, and basically build your email list up where you have thousands of readers that you can market to them yourself. Um, your outline. Again, what we talked about, having that beginning, middle for that rise in action, near the end for the fall in action, and then the conclusion. And maybe even offering little guides with that. So those are some of the main things, really, your outline, your book cover, and then your game plan from there. And then we can build from that point. But you have to have the fundamentals down first. Yeah. And it's that game plan. It's that email list. It's it's funneling you know your readers in it's it's the same thing that we're hearing all the time but what mm -hmm. interests me i think at this moment is that people are prepared to pay to hear that they they're prepared to pay to have you coach them uh as a coach i'm guessing that's a fairly big responsibility it is and typically i have clients for anywhere between one month and three months and usually that goes in either to help tweak their launch or take them all the way into book launch and beyond so typically we'll work together on a quarterly basis 
And then from that point, when they're doing their next book or their future book after that, we'll come and work together. But basically, it's one of those things where we work together for a few months, we get into where they need to go, and then we, we meet up a little later on. So it's not like we're working day by day for a year or two, yeah. you know, depending on where they're at. I mean, sometimes it can go a little longer. But for me, ideally, I like to work with them for about three months. Yeah. And you do that via Skype? Yeah, Skype, phone calls, whatever the client wants. Because not everyone likes video conferencing. I personally, I'm a big fan of it because I like to be able to see them as well to kind of read their body language and see where they're at. Um, but a lot of times we can do phone calls too just on the phone. So it's really whatever the client prefers. Yeah, and everybody knows I get in trouble because I prefer being able to see you and talk to you and get to know you. Um, but if I was a true audio bod, I would have the video turned off and we would have pure sound. So people get used to hearing the little bangs and bumps as we go along. Um, and I, I, I'm with you, I think, being able to see someone. That might be that teacher thing as well. A uh, bit mm-hmm. of mentoring. I've got young people that I mentor um, coming through my novel writing course. Uh, do you see any difference between teaching adults and kids? Well, mainly my audience is adults. So now you're talking about in the classroom. I think both kids and adults have the one main thing, and that's first for knowledge. They want to know who, what, when, where, why, and how. Always. And that, that's that knowledge. Now, with, with my students, they're not, they want to know more about you know, computers, technology. They want to learn about sight words, numbers. Where my clients want to know about numbers, those numbers mainly being how much money. <laughs> Uh, look, I'm sorry, everybody. If you're in this thing for the money, look, good luck to you. I think I think most of yes. us are, are passionate about what we do. We love our stories. A lot of us are romance writers and we love just telling those stories, talking to our readers, getting out there, all that kind of thing. I think it's great that more and more people are coming in. But I was mm-hmm. I was fascinated by that, you know, that huge upsurge of, upsurge of nonfiction writers and now we're all turning to say, well, gee, we want to write fiction and we're going, go away, we're doing that. Uh I want to finish, um, and I have to cut this one short, everybody, because I've got to go to school. Being your own greatest champion and the power of one. Okay. Um, Can you clarify your question on that for me? Uh, Yeah, yeah. You've got a whole seminar there on being your own, I guess, being your own greatest champion, and I'm guessing it's got something Mm -hmm. to do with believing in yourself. That is the main thing. Um, Basically, believe in, in what you do and where you're going in life. Because, uh, again, as you talk about, we, we don't do this for the money. Um, as a teacher, I definitely don't do it for the money. And as a coach, I mean, yes, am I getting paid a pretty good rate? Yes, we, we get paid well, but I don't do it for that. I do it to see um, me helping other authors. And it's the same thing with, um, you know, I want to be my greatest champion, but I want my clients to become their greatest champion as well and to help support them and to see them succeed. My favorite thing is seeing my students succeed and seeing them pass their standardized test in and to do very well with that. So same thing with my clients. I want them to have a great book launch. I want, but the main thing is I want them to be proud of the work, but I want their families to be proud of the work. It's one of the greatest things when your parents are proud of you for what you do. Now, even my dad, who if you've read The Pursuit of Happiness, will know we've had an uphill battle throughout the years, but to actually hear that he's actually proud of me for what I do, you know, that just meant all the difference with teaching and with the books and everything else. So it's really going in there, being your greatest champion and putting that out to the universe and seeing what it brings back and really being your number one cheerleader, so to speak, and really focusing on the positive, focusing on belief because we can set our minds to do anything. Clement Stone said it best, whatever the man of mind can conceive and believe, it will achieve. Well, I say whatever the, the mind of men and women believe and achieve. 
And that's the way I look at it. We can do anything we set our minds to. And, you know, 336 pounds five years ago. So I can tell you from my own personal experience about walking the talk. Yeah. And everybody, we hear this time and time again. And I get so much pleasure out of this podcast because I get to talk to people um, from Texas and all over those other places. But giving, giving is the key. Um, Mm -hmm. I hear people talk about money and getting rich and all the rest of it. Um, I don't think that a lot of us are in it for that. We need bread and butter money, as I'm about to discover. Um, But giving back and seeing someone else get where they want to be and the delight, I guess, in their heart is what it's all about. And if we can keep that focus and we can help the next person up behind us, then that, I'm guessing, is is the biggest key to success. Absolutely. That's why I left the corporate world to go into teaching to give back and to help my kids. Same thing with coaching to help my clients. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's what I believe we're here to be on this planet to do, and that is to help others. And I've, I've had that belief my entire life, and that's why some of those changes that I've made over the years is to do that and to lose the weight so I can stay on this planet and, and help others out because without doing that and making those changes, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Yeah, and you can hear the energy in, in Paul's voice as he speaks, uh, seven books in 18 months. Now, what's happening in the next little while in Paul Brody's life? Well, again, we're, we're launching Just Do It right now, so we're in the midst of that launch um, actually working on a few projects right now. I've actually relaunching the coaching. So we're going to be focusing a little more on that than previous. Um, enjoying the week off because I actually off for Thanksgiving. So it's nice to actually just focus on two jobs instead of three <laughs> doing that. But uh, just enjoying time with family. You know, that, that's really the focus right now with having time off for Christmas, having time off for New Year's. You know, honestly, I'll tell you right now, I put up half the decorations this past weekend. So that was fun. And uh, really just enjoying what's the most important thing to us. And that is honestly, in my view, family and friends. I have what's called the Xmas bash that we do every year, the week before Christmas. That's the greatest gift to me. It's not presents. It's not material possessions. It's spending time with family and friends and enjoying that holiday season and bringing people together. I think that's one of the best things that we can do. And that's what I love about this time of year. And that's what we need to focus on versus our differences Let's focus on what brings us together, and that's our family, our friends, and um, you know that, that's really the main thing. Kumbaya. Yeah, and isn't it scary, guys? When this goes to air, it will be Christmas. Um, as as we mm-hmm. record, it's about five weeks away, and I'm going, oh my golly, we're we're heading that way. Five um, five main points in just do it. Um, pr- probably one of the main things is avoid you know procrastination. It's one of our biggest challenges. And I think one of the things that you can do with that is point one, take the first step. Point two, take the second step. Point three, take the third step. Point four, monotask. And five, work the best you can to achieve achieve your goals. Because I honestly believe taking that first step makes all the difference because you've taken one step. Now take another. And I can tell you over the weekend, I didn't want to necessarily get out the Christmas decorations right when I first got up. So what did I do? I took the first step. Then I took the second step. And then within an hour and a half, half our decorations were up. So it's just getting in that mindset to take that first step. Kind of like what we talked about working out earlier, where you get up in the morning, you take the first step. Then you take the second step. Yeah. And, and that's I, one of the biggest things. That we, 
Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I think that's um, I think that's the most amazing, and it's the single biggest piece of advice that I give myself um, because I'm the ultimate. I'm so good at procrastinating. I am an expert at it, uh, and finishing my job and leaping into the business world is actually really, really scary for me because I know what I'm like. Um, but I'll have to make money because there's no other alternative. It just has to happen, and God knows how it's going to happen. Everybody, I'll let you know. Um, monotasking. I think that is something something that we have forgotten how to do because we have phones and emails and iPads and everything happening a million times. I notice more and more the advice coming from you guys is lock yourself away in a room for a couple of hours, leave everything away. And yesterday I heard it taken one step further where you have two desks, one desk with all your gizmos on it and another desk which is just purely workspace. Um, do you think that that is one of our biggest takeaways today? I would, and it's funny you mentioned that because of you know being basically in my office with my laptop on. In fact, if you saw me kind of squirming around earlier, it was because my um, laptop is down at ten percent. But basically, my focus has been doing the interview with you, and then the other interview that I did previous to this, and just focusing on that. Where yes, was the phone out only during the second one, and it was face down. Yes. Yeah. So I don't even know what's on this phone right now because our focus is what we have in front of us. What we have in front of us is our main focus and with the focus being this conversation that we're having right now. Yeah, and in the classroom, that's that's a that's a given. We don't take our phones into the classroom. Next step, we have to train our kids not to take their phones into the classroom. Uh, but we're losing that battle. Good luck with that one. Yeah, we're losing that battle. Um, look, Paul, it's been fantastic to talk to you. I'd love to talk um, with you further about the whole launch of Just Do It, but that'll have to wait for another time. We look forward to whatever's happening with you in 2017, and I'd love to have you back um, because you're obviously a bit of a dynamo. You're obviously going to churn right through 2017 like you have 2000. 2016. Um, all of us here at Rider on the Road wish you all the best with your launch. Um, I'm certainly going to go off and buy it now because I think it's got a few little gems that I could hear again and again and again. And as writers, we forget. Um, so thank you, Paul, and Merry Christmas to you. Good God. You too. We'll be here before we know it. <laughs> okay, talk again soon. It's bye from Rider on the Road. Bye.